Good morning, church family. It's wonderful to see you. Stop the worship. All anxiety. 
are protected.
us down. Amen, amen. Really wonderful to see you guys. Everybody can have a seat. All right. Well, thanks for being a part of worship with us at Putnam City Baptist Church. We want to greet you and welcome you. If you would take just a moment, reach to the front of the or the back of the chair in front of you, grab one of these communication cards, if you would. This is for members and guests. And I know a lot of you say, well, I don't have anything to tell you. Well, you might. You might have a prayer request. You might have uh, some ministry that you need to know more information about. You can uh, indicate all that on this card. Or you can text PCBC Guest to 94000. And you'll get a digital card. You can give us any information that we might need to know. We certainly want to be connected to you through these summer months and know how we can be praying for you each and every week. We are getting ready for high school Falls Creek. This is the first year in a long, long, long time that we've split up Falls Creek between high school and middle school. We'll be hearing more about that in the chair warrior time in just a moment. So be thinking about our high school students. Be praying for them this next week at camp. But more importantly right now, let's get on our feet, move through the room, find somebody and welcome them to PCBC. Test, test, test. All right, church family, if you'd make your way back to your seats. This is a time where we focus on prayer. And, you know, the last few weeks have been just kind of a really cool opportunity for us to kind of pray over and lay hands on those that have been sort of commissioned and gone forth from our church. I don't know how many of you may have heard, um, but just to kind of share real quickly with you, I think maybe it was announced or mentioned, but. Um, our middle school, we had a group of middle, middle school students that went to Lawton a couple weeks ago, and 17 people were saved as a result of the ministry that went on there. Um, we had middle school students not just serving, but sharing testimony, um, doing things they'd never done before. So, you know, God honors the prayers of his people. He's working through the lives of those of us here at PCBC. It's an exciting thing. It's an awesome thing to be able to lay hands on on our brothers and sisters and just to affirm. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and we're gonna have a chance to do that again today as well. So 
We have Falls High School Falls Creek coming up this week. So if you're a high school student or an adult who is going to be participating in that, I would like to ask you to just begin to move up here to the front, if you would. So go ahead and come on up. And as they're doing so, I want to share something else really cool with you. You guys saw a video last week where Hunter and Brayden asked for the church to be willing to commit to scholarships for students for camp. And that was for Cross Timbers and for middle school and high school, Falls Creek. And, uh, and they challenged the church to 325 days of scholarships, $40 a day, 325 days of scholarships. As of this past week, I want to share with you that we're at somewhere around 360 days scholarship for students. Absolutely. And just so you don't have to try to do the math, that equates to almost $15,000. So thank you. Thank you for your love for our students, your, just your faith and trust in the gospel, and your desire to see lives transformed through camp this summer. So now with, with these students and these leaders here, I want to ask you for this during this part of our prayer time just to come forward and to lay hands on these students and these leaders and to pray over them for the next few minutes if you would. So everyone go ahead and stand with me. And I'm going to ask those of you that would like to, to go ahead and come forward and lay hands on these students. Those of you that may not desire to, you're welcome to stay where you're at. And just pray over this coming week at Falls Creek for our student ministry, for students to be encouraged and built up in their faith, for those who are lost, to be able to really hear the gospel and see their and, and recognize their need for it. So let's enter into a time of prayer. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. God, our prayer is really what Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians. 
that as we have sown bountifully, that you would honor that and reap bountifully. And God, that you would produce a harvest, a rich harvest of spiritual change and transformation in the lives of students. God, we pray against the power and the influence of the evil one and his schemes and his distractions, God. And so God, even now bind him and his influence and what he may want to do to disrupt what you have in mind for this week in the lives of our students and the lives of students all over our state that will be gathered this week at Falls Creek. And we pray that as you accomplish what we know only you can accomplish, that it would be an opportunity for us to see you and glorify you and give thanks for the many things that you will do. It's in, these, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Amen.
To wear my sin and bear. 
we are going to begin a new sermon series for the summer months. As we enter into summertime, it is the season of fruit, so we're going to be looking at a sermon series called Life in the Spirit. As I said, it is the season of fruit. I don't know how many of you are fruit lovers in the room. Think about the favorite fruit that you have, the fruit that you like the most. For me, I love anything tart or sour. For my oldest daughter, who happens to be in the space, she won't touch a single piece of fruit. Uh, my wife is a watermelon freak. I mean, the, the, the realm in our household is from end to end to end. Uh, my favorite fruit growing up, quite frankly, though, was uh, probably yours as well. It was Fruit Loops, right? That was my favorite fruit growing up. And as we take a look into Scripture, we're going to talk about the difference between being a Fruit Loop for Jesus and bearing the fruit of Jesus in our life. I was exposed to a bunch of unique fruit back when I was pastor in Tulsa. We got to go to Venezuela. It's one of my favorite countries on the entire planet. It is tropical. It is beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful uh, nations I've ever experienced. And when I went down to Venezuela for the first time, what overwhelmed me was all the variety of fruit. Now, they're known for their mango, but they have all kinds of other fruit that I had never, ever heard of or ever experienced. For example, on the screen, I'll put this one up. I think it's called Mamoncilla. I call it Mamacilla, all right? It's good stuff. Uh, others might call it Mamone. It's a grape-looking fruit. But when you peel it open, it's this luscious, luscious, uh, just uh, amazing fruit that you find. I've never tasted anything like it before. Another one is called Parchita. Parchita is another amazing fruit. It almost looks like a unique pomegranate, if you will. And it doesn't look that delicious, but man, when you dig it all out, uh, you juice that, and you can put it in a drink, it's a very refreshing uh, fruit and refreshing drink. It was one of my favorites as well, very tangy and very tart. And so I'm having this experience with all this great fruit growing everywhere. It's some of the, the freshest produce on the planet. Everywhere you go, fruit trees abound. And I came across, you're not going to believe this, a watermelon tree. All right, here it is on the screen. Watermelons don't grow on trees, but they sure look like it in Venezuela. And I came across this, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, all this other fruit's been so incredible, and now I've hit the mother load of fruits until they told me that this is humanly inedible. I mean, I'm thinking this thing, I could eat for days on this one piece of fruit. What a, what a waste and what a shame. Well, that can be a picture of us as well. We might look like we're bearing fruit. We might look on the outside like all is well, but on the inside, it's not so well. These are actually uh, harvested in Venezuela. They're laid out, dried out, emptied out, and used for containers or for bowls. That's the only use they can find for that fruit. Well, I think that the church has done a great job of helping people know how to experience eternal life. The gospel has been preached, and you've been taught that there's only one way that your sins could be forgiven, that's through Christ, and that God gives us a gift called forgiveness and His grace, which brings us the gift of eternal life. We've taught a, a, an audience, a, a generation, or generations, how to be saved, but I don't think we've done a very good job in teaching the church how to live saved. And that's what we're going to look at in this series, is how do we live in the Spirit? Now, you can live in the Spirit or you can live in your flesh. You can live a spiritual, supernatural life or you can live a fleshly life. 
That all depends on the issue of your heart. Well, we learned that from the watermelon tree in Venezuela. It's not the size of the fruit. It's not the quantity of the fruit. It's the heart of the fruit that matters. And the same is true about your journey in your life. What matters is what's going on in your heart. So I want you to take out one of those communication cards that you didn't fill out earlier and pull that out. Let's make use of it anyway. Or you can use the arm of the person next to you or you can use a bulletin, whatever you want to use. I want you to make a chart and I'm going to give you different words. And as I give you each word, you're going to give yourself a grade on a scale of 1 to 10. So I'm going to put up a word in a minute. Uh, you will look at that word and your scale will be uh, a one, if you're at the end of this scale, if you're a one on this issue, it means I need Jesus big time. And if you score a 10 in that area, it means I got Jesus flowing out of me. All right? So here we go. Here comes your first word, loving. Grade yourself. Now, I'm not going to let your neighbor grade you. That might come out a little bit different than what number you put down. But put down a number when you just think about your life in general. How, what kind, how loving of a person are you? Are you known as a loving person? Are you known as a somewhat loving person? One to ten. What's your score? Let me give you another word. Peaceful. Would people say you're at peace within your person? Or do you lack peace? Grade yourself one to ten. Next word. Joyful. This is actually a post-COVID spiritual test. Now, uh, in the COVID generation in which we live, we're constantly having to be tested to see what COVID may or may not be doing in our body. Well, this is a spiritual COVID test because I would submit to you, we've all changed as we've processed the last three years. And especially as we look at each and every one of these areas of our life, I think we might find our grades are falling short. Look at the next word. Patient. Go ahead and score that one out. That ought to be a good one. Patient. All right, next word is just checking. Self-controlled. Self-controlled, how do you do in the word of self-controlled? You already proved you're terrible at patience. Try self-controlled. One to ten, how would you grade yourself? Next word kind. How would you grade yourself? Are you a kind person? Say, well, it depends on who I'm dealing with. No, it doesn't. Are you a kind person in general or not? Let me give you another one. Gentle. Gentle. So take a look at your list, and I gave you a, a scoring scale. One is, man, I need all of Jesus. Uh, ten is, man, Jesus is just bubbling in this area of my life. Man, I got this mastered. And I wonder, I wonder, how many of you scored a ten in any of these? Anybody score yourself a ten on any of them? <laughs> there he goes. She's under the bus. Uh, only a few hands go up. That's pretty normal. Those are the braggers. No, those are not the braggers in the room. Here's the weird thing. We all say, man, I couldn't give myself a ten on anything. And that's the problem. We should be able to give ourselves a 10 on all things. If you know Christ, if you're genuinely a child of God who's been transformed by his grace, the Bible says that very Jesus, the spirit of Christ lives within you, and we should be exhibiting our life in Christ, should be bearing the fruit 
of the Spirit. If you look at that list, that's exactly what you have before you are the characteristics that describe the fruit of a life that is in the Spirit of God. But as I said earlier, many of us know how to be saved in Christ, but we don't know how to live and walk in the Spirit. And so I want to take you through Scripture, and I want us to look over these next few weeks this summer how God designed us, not just to be saved, but how to live saved. What that should look like and how we should be scoring a 10 on every one of these issues. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. And what we're going to find first before we dig into the fruit of the Spirit is the reality of a life in the Spirit. Psalm chapter 1, the psalmist writes, How blessed is the man, a man or a woman or a person, a teenager, whose life is blessed, here's the description, here's what it says. Their life is not one that walks in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I would tell you that uh, your scale, the, the scoring that you just gave yourself, is probably reflective of where you are in your walk with God and in relationship to the time you spend in his word and in his presence. The psalmist said, listen, it comes down, you can either be rooted in relationships with the world or you can be rooted in my word. And whichever is going on in your heart, that will dictate the fruit of your life. Watch this. For he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water. Jesus said this. He said to a woman at a well who was getting water because she was thirsty. Listen, there's more than this water. You'll always be thirsty on this planet. But if you would have only known who I was, you would know the reality of living water where you'll thirst no more. We can drink from this world. We can drink from what the culture is selling us. We can drink from what our flesh desires and we will always be thirsty. Or we can be like a tree which is firmly rooted, which is rooted right there by the streams of water, rooted in Christ, our living water, which yields its fruit. There it is, yielding its fruit in due season. I would tell you that if you look at your list and you're scoring way less than 10, That is a warning sign that you have uprooted from Christ and you're rooting your life or your heart in other things. The life in the Spirit bears fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and whatever it does or whatever they do prospers. So what's true of a tree that is rooted? Here's what we know. It will bear fruit. And whatever the root is, it will determine the fruit. I can't want an orange tree and plant an apple seed. The seed, which bears root, will determine the fruit. And there are so many Christians who want to be more kind, who want to be more patient, who want this fruit, but they're not doing anything about the root. As a matter of fact, we want to blame it on God and say, God, it's your fault. God, why don't you? God, when in reality, it's where we're planting our heart. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus would be teaching the audience about the issues of the heart. And in Matthew chapter 13, what we realize is not everyone is rooted in the living water. Not everyone can experience these things because they've never rooted their heart or their life in the person of Jesus Christ. Now they might have rooted the head, they might think on God, they might believe there is a God, 
but it's never happened in their heart. Here's what Jesus said. Look at verse 1, Matthew 13. That day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat, he sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. He spoke many things to them in parables. Parables would be physical stories, uh, illustrations God would use, use in the physical realm, to paint a spiritual lesson. To try to start by planting through the head to get to the heart. The reality in these parables were all, these particular parables were about the kingdom of God. How those could know him as king of kings and lord of lords. Those who would be a part of his kingdom and those who were not. And so he teaches this parable. Verse 3. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road. And the birds came and they ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they didn't have much soil. Immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched because they had no root and they withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus said, he who has, a he- has an ear... Let him hear. I would say that to you this morning. If you have an ear, not hear, but hear, hear it in your heart. Let the Lord speak to you about the fruit of your life. Let the Lord speak to you whether you truly have a spiritual life or you're just sitting in church. But as we look at this, we find there cannot be any fruit, spiritual fruit, unless there's a spiritual root. And there can't be a spiritual root unless a seed has been planted. And so as we come under the word of God, it's the word of God that is that seed. It's God the sower who plants that seed and he seeks to plant it in your heart. But the problem is many of us haven't been tending to our heart. Just like the soil of this parable, there was hardened soil and there was fertile soil. The same is true in this very room. Doesn't matter if you've grown up in church or you just started coming to church. Anybody can wake up and find that their heart has become hardened. I always talk to you about David. I, I love David's story. I, I love and I've learned so much from David over the years. And when we think of David, we think of the giant killer. And what a great story that is. He pulled off something the whole army couldn't do. He became legendary as the giant killer. And we use that to exhort us and And when we come around to football season, praise God, we're getting closer to another football season. I need it in my life, don't you? And so as we get closer, we'll always use that story. Man, it's the David versus the Goliath. You know, we get into that. And then we look at his life and we find David was a worshiper. We need that more than we need football season. Now can I get an amen from the congregation? And he was a guy that not only was a warrior, but he was a worshiper. And he wrote most of the Psalms. He was a man who walked with the Lord and killed giants but worshiped God with all of his heart and that very David got a title from God himself God labeled him gave him a nickname you know the nickname God gave David a man after my own heart so here's David whose heart was fertile whose heart was good soil that received the word of God, that sang the word of God, that worshiped the Lord and lived for God the majority of his life. But even David had a season in his life 
where because of living on this planet and experiencing the issues of this world, he's now king, the greatest king on the planet. He has all this success, but his heart that once was a heart for God is now a hardened heart. And if that can happen in David, that can happen in you, and that can happen in me. And Jesus clearly said, not all hearts are ready to receive the seed which I want to plant in their life. I hope today that you would make it your prayer. Lord, today, soften my heart. Lord, today, do a work in my heart. Lord, today, I want to receive the seed you have for me. What is that seed? Go down to verse 18, Matthew chapter 13. Look at it. Matthew 13 and verse 18. He said, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, see, here's the parable. It's about whether you're just going to be a natural person that lives in this earth of kings and kingdoms or whether you're going to be in the kingdom, the eternal kingdom that Jesus Christ accomplished for you on a cross. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Jesus was pointing out that he had come to show them the kingdom. They thought they were in the kingdom if they were a Jew, if they had a religion. They had nothing to do with the kingdom. Jesus came and brought the living word to show them how they could have life, living water, eternal life, and a new life through Christ. And he points out that the seed is the word of God. The soil is our heart. But he said there's a problem. Not all hearts will receive what I have declared. He said it's like the hard pass that you'll see in any field. And if you had lived in that uh, day and age, if you'd lived in that community, pretty much everything was based on agriculture. They didn't have technology. They didn't have industry like we do. Everything was living off the land, and so everybody was raising crops, everybody was trying to grow fruit or some kind of vegetation, and you would find pathways. Those pathways would lead to their fields where they were growing things, or those paths might be leading to someone else's home or into town where they could get other things that they needed, but you would find all of these paths. Now, they weren't like our roads. They had it better than we do, frankly. I don't know about you, but the roads in Oklahoma City don't really bless my life, don't help my front end of my vehicles. They didn't have potholes. They had hard pan from where people had walked, and after foot, after foot, all this foot traffic would make almost the equivalent of asphalt or cement. And as you would walk out to your fields, you might have a bag of seed, and as you got to your field, you'd walk that pathway, you'd start slinging the seed. And you'd start throwing that out into the field. And Jesus said, it's like some of the seed that as they were getting out, and if you've ever done this, you pull out that seed and all of a sudden some of it just falls out of the bag, falls down on the ground. Or as you go to sling it, it might hit the majority of the field, but then it flows outside the border out onto the path. And that very seed that can bring life doesn't produce life if it falls on that hard path it isn't the seeds problem it isn't the sower's problem the reason it doesn't bear life is because of the condition of the soil the issue of the heart and Jesus would go on to say that path is the issue of a hard 
heart. And he says, when you hear the word of God, it's stolen from you by the enemy. You don't understand it. You don't take it in because your heart has gotten so hard, you don't want to receive it. You can't see it. Because all you can see is the issues that cause the hardness of your heart. So I want to give you three things that harden our hearts that we need to pray over. Number one, write this down. We learned about it in Psalm chapter 1. It's relational influences. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 1? Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Who does not hang out with those who would mock God or the things of God. And yet everything in our culture, every influence that's coming into our lives, and that's what I heard for this generation, all the influence is coming not from a spiritual place of well-being, but from scoffers who want to scoff who God is, what God has designed, what God has said. All of it is scoffing against the truth of the living holy God. When I was growing up, man, life was super simple. I know you know how old I am. I know you know I'm decrepit and aged, like, and I grew up in the black and white TV generation. I get all that. Life was so much simpler. The only one in my head was Andy Griffith and Barney Fife. I didn't have all this stuff coming at me. And we wake up in the day, we had nothing to do, so you know what we did? We did life with people. And I didn't know what they were thinking. I didn't know all these other theories or all these other weird things. I didn't even grow up in the church, but I didn't have all that stuff pounding at me. And today, we are waking up every day, and all we're doing is sitting at the foot of scoffers. And it will impact your heart. It will harden your heart to the things of God and to the things that really bring life. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, it says this, You will know them by their fruits. Isn't that interesting? The fruit that comes from a person's life will reveal to you who that person really is. Very rarely do we look at the fruit that's coming from a life. We just look at their Facebook post, their photo, their account, uh, their cute little sayings. But we don't go looking at the fruit of their life. He said grapes cannot be gathered from thorn bushes. Figs can't come from thistles. Every good tree will always bear good fruit, but a bad tree will always bear bad fruit. It cannot bear good fruit. And so here's the issue. Look at the fruit of your life and ask yourself, am I deeply rooted in Christ or have I become deeply rooted in this world? And sometimes it may be because of the crowd and the influences you've allowed into your life. Maybe there needs to be some repenting in our relational influences. Some purging and some cleansing. I'm not talking about mightier and looking down on people. I'm just talking about where you're spending your time, what you're and who you're relating to. The second issue is the influences on our mind. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, we're challenged not to be conformed to this world, not to be like the world, but we're to be transformed by going to church. Because church fixes it. Now, I'm not down on you being here today. I'm thankful I've got somebody to preach to this morning and to fellowship with and engage in spiritual disciplines together. I'm thrilled for that. But that isn't what fixes it. We're not transformed by joining a church or even by going to Falls Creek unless we have hearts to receive 
the word God has for our hearts. But he says, be transformed. That means don't be the natural person that you were before Christ. You're to be transformed into something different, something beyond and above that. It's called the supernatural life, life in the Spirit. And we're transformed by the renewing of our baptism. Is that what it says? The renewing of our what? Mind. Because that's where Satan attacks the hardest. The things that we allow into our minds, the things that we think on daily, the attacks that come between our two ears, it happens thousands and tens of thousands of times every single day. But we're not guarding our minds, therefore our heart becomes hardened because of maybe people that are influencing us or, or, or the things that we're thinking that we allow to plant in our minds. You've heard me preach on this before. I'll give it to you as a reference. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. Paul gives a picture of a walled city. And he is using this as a picture because it was common warfare of that day that if you wanted to conquer a city, you would have to breach the wall. And if you look back in that part of the world, they had walled cities with big towers and they would place their military men in those towers. And from that, they could defend against any attack of the enemy that was coming at them. And the only way you could take that city was you had to breach the wall. The only way you could breach the wall is you first had to take out the commanders in the towers. And so Paul says, God has given us weapons for our warfare, and they're not of the flesh. They're not the weapons that man uses to take out the lives of other people, but we have divinely powerful weapons to destroy these walled fortresses that are in our minds to take out the lofty thoughts, the things that scoffers have planted, the things that our flesh would plant in our minds, all of that is taking up position to wall us in into a lie. But Paul said, God has given us weapons to take the towers, to take every thought captive. It was speaking of what they would do when they would finally breach that wall and get in those towers. They would capture those soldiers that were there, the commanders, and once they owned them, they owned the city. What Paul is saying is we've got to own the thoughts in our minds. We've got to guard our minds. And if there's an enemy thought, if there is a thought that is not lovely or pure or praiseworthy, that which is on God's team, if you will, that's an enemy of your heart. Yet so many of us are doing stinking thinking and our hearts are now stinking. And the actions of our heart are stinking. Could be that during the end of this message, there might be some of us who may just have to confess to the Lord, Lord, my numbers fall short of your glory because I am not rooted in you right now. I love the Lord, but I'm not rooted in the Lord. You can love God and still not be rooted in him. Did you know that? You can be like David who sings praise songs for God, serves God, but wakes up in a season of life and his heart had gotten hardened. Does that happen to you? What's the fruit of your life? showing. One other thing, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to talk to you about the influences of our heart. If he can get to you through relations, relationships, he will. If he can get to you through your mind, he'll get you there. And if he can't get you on either one of those, he'll just go straight to your heart. And look at what he attacks your heart with. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Paul writing to believers he wasn't writing to the lost. He wasn't preaching to an audience of pagans. 
He's writing a letter to believers, and listen to what he tells them. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you. You wouldn't expect that in the church, would you? You shouldn't, but it can be there. John Neandico, our international pastor, who is leading Unbound Church to reach the African population of our city and African refugees and African students in the colleges. It's an amazing ministry that's taken place. He is from Burundi in Africa. He brought back his mentor this past week, a guy by the name of Emmanuel, who has spent his whole life in Burundi. He and John grew up together, and when they were young men, or young children becoming men, the way the story is told is that there was a civil war there in Burundi. And they watched their friend's dad kill their dad. And they watched another friend's dad kill another friend's dad. And then their dads began to go fight back and kill other dads until there was a generation of young men who had no fathers. And John and Emmanuel both talked about they looked to the church for hope. They looked to the church to be different, and it wasn't. They let bitterness harden their hearts. People in the church could not forgive believers in another church because of what their daddies had done to their daddies. And for decades, Burundi lived under a black cloud of bondage to bitterness, hatred, and wrath. And they're just now beginning to come out of that. But they're having to work through, and their question was, why wasn't the church different? Because they allowed their hearts to get hardened. Will we be the church, not PCBC, I'm talking about the body of Christ, Will we be believers that love our enemies, serve our enemies, and pray for our enemies? Or will we take up arms against others? Will we be so entangled in the politics of the day that we're busy fighting one another in the streets and in the legislature and all these things? Or will we be people like Jesus who love them where they were no matter where they were? For Jesus was hanging on a cross, an innocent man, being tortured and abused, and he didn't fight back and call down the angels from heaven to defend himself. But he cried out to the Father, Father, forgive my enemies, for they know not what they do. He wasn't going to let bitterness, hatred, prejudice to impact his heart. Look at verse 32. So be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. He wasn't even talking about governments that had abused or persecuted the church. He was talking about inside the church. He's talking about the way we relate to one another, starting right here at home plate, home base. We find ourselves pitting against one another rather than loving God together, being kind and tenderhearted. Hebrews 12 says this, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See, the reason God may seem a million miles away 
The reason you may not be able to feel like God is present in your journey right now could be because you're not at peace. Peace with God or peace with someone else? Jesus said, you want to know the two greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know what? The second one is the same as the first. You also got to love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. The enemy wants to rob you of all that. A love for God and a love for one another. So where is it that the enemy is trying to steal your seed? Where is it that he's trying to harden your heart? And what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It could be that you cannot receive the seed because you've never opened up your heart to the Lord. You aren't a part of his kingdom, not because you're a bad person, but because you've never humbled yourself and declared that I can only be saved through Christ. He is the way, the truth, and life, and I need Jesus. If that's never happened for you, Right now, is your heart ready to receive the Lord? You say, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says you have to just call on his name. You have to declare him to be your king. You have to surrender lordship. You have to say, I'm not the king. God, I want you to be my king. Is there anybody here who needs to do that? Anybody online? If you're online today, you can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. We'll get back to you as quick as we can. And we'll share with you how he can be your king. But I wonder before, and so, well, I'll, I'll worry about that when I get to Falls Creek. Don't wait till Falls Creek. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Nail it down today. Don't just send your kid off to Falls Creek. What about your heart? Is Jesus your king? If he isn't today, I would allow God to break that hard heart and to give you the fruit of life, eternal life. It's a gift from God. You just have to receive it. So say, dear Lord, that's you. Just pray that now. Dear Lord, I receive you, the gift of life. Lord, I want you to be my king. It's that simple. The Bible says if you pray a prayer like that, God will change you into a new person. And you become a part of his kingdom now, a child of the living God. If you prayed with me just then, I want you to come to one of our ministers in a moment. I want you to tell them I prayed just now and nailed it down. If you've done that in this last week, come to one of them and say, man, this last week God saved me. If that's happened recently and you've never professed Christ, be the first one down here and say, man, I got saved recently and I want to I make that public. Maybe you've already been saved, but like David, you're not a man or a woman after God's heart right now. Your heart is hardened. Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you need somebody to pray with. You can pray down here at the altar with us. We'll pray over you. We'll pray with you. You might want to just turn around your seat and just fall on your face and say, God, break my heart. God, my heart's not where it needs to be. Obviously, looking at my scores, God, my heart is not where it needs to be. God, don't pray for God to make you patient. Don't pray to God to make you more kind. No, instead, let God break your heart and say, God, I need you to be my patience. That's why he lives in you. God, I need you to be kind through me. God, I need you to be loving through me. I need you to be alive in me. That's the life in the Spirit. Maybe that's your prayer. Father, may you be glorified in these moments. We submit all these hearts to you. Do what only you can do. Change them now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Let's stand together. Ministers will be here. Let's get started. Way before Falls Creek, let God move in your life. Alex is singing. You come. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. Return our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. Couldn't be a better song that we just sang. The only way it could be any better is if it's our prayer. If that's really what we're allowing God to do. Let's bow our hearts. So without anybody looking around, I'm not going to extend it much longer. But I really feel like I know with this many hearts in this place, there's some issues of hardness that need to be repented of. I'm not worried about the neighbor's heart next to you, but focus in on your heart. And one more time, instead of singing the song, make it your prayer. God, I bow my heart to you do that? Would you bow your heart to the Lord and say, God, here it is. God, change my heart. Cleanse my heart. Fill my heart. What do you need God to do in your heart today? Ask him right now. Touch my heart. Lord, may you answer each and every one of these prayers according to your power, your riches, and your grace. Do it all for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here's what's going on at PCBC. Hey, church family. I'm Josh McClellan, and you're watching Connection Points. Yeah. PCBC, we hope you've been keeping cool during the summer weather. Things are heating up activity-wise here. I'm Mark Woodward, and this is Connection Points. Our weekday preschool has successfully restarted this summer. We currently have openings for individuals with a heart for teaching. If you've got a heart for teaching preschoolers, we encourage you to please contact Valerie Fisher at valerie.fisher at pcbc.tv. We're heading out into the community for VBS this year. Our two-day VBS is August 5th and 6th, and we're looking for volunteers to help make that happen at various locations throughout Oklahoma City. Please visit pcbc.tv VBS for more. Do you need a ride to church? Our new bus ministry has kicked off. You can go to pcbc.tv bus to sign up or contact the church office, and we'll make sure you get on the list. 
Men of all ages, get fired up for Momentum Meets. It's coming up on Thursday, July 28th at 6 o'clock. We'll have brisket and fellowship and worship and hear from Mike Bateman, the founder of the Jeremiah House. And finally, we'd like to recognize these new members to PCBC. Please help us welcome Preston Porter and Julie Hammond. You've been watching Connection Points. I'm Mark Woodward. Now go out and make it a great day. Woo, how about that? Mark's smooth, isn't he? Isn't that good? All right, guys. We don't have any decisions to share with you this morning, but you get to make a decision to go walk in the Spirit. You ready? Falls Creek's going to be awesome. Can I get an amen from high school? Come on. Go to bed now because you won't sleep the rest of the week. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Let's get on our feet. Get out of here in Jesus' name. You are dismissed.